BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, it's me, your hot dog covered in mustard dangling from a string bruiser, Holden McNeely. And hey, it's me, programming director of G4 Jake. Uh, uh, coming up next, it's uh, the hottest vixens in video games, followed by <laughs> Wiffle Ball Foxy Boxing, followed by Tits the TV Show. Followed by five hours of cops reruns. That said, there's no funny angle. <laughs> Where's it's the just Ninja five hours. Warrior? Where's the Ninja Warrior? Followed Jay? by Ninja Warrior, as well as a special preview we're calling the Midnight Jerk Sesh. Man. That's right, boys and girls, what? but mostly boys. <laughs> get a load of these clothed breasts. That's right, boys and one girl that weirdly <laughs> stayed in the room with the, with the room full of guys because you wish you had better, cooler friends, but you're just stuck with these bros that just want to play video games and watch fucking Olivia Munn shove a bunch of sausages in her mouth. That's right. We're talking about G4, man. Woo. When we first got into this, I was like, cool. I'm not that like... I remember G4. It was in the periphery. Mm -hmm. I wasn't watching a lot of cable during its era. I remember more so the rise and fall, the fall. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember just like a lot of people who I followed in the industry, you know, in games and stuff when G4 was falling apart, a lot of like reverence, kind of in the sense though of being like, it wasn't really the, you know, we get it. It wasn't exactly, you know, high art, but, you know, we had a lot of fun and there were some really solid moments. There were some sketches we're really proud of. It was that kind of exit, you know what I mean? Which which set generally gets across like, we know this is kind of dog shit, but we did at times put a lot of heart into this and there was like, and we had a good time doing it, you know what I mean? And um, that kind of piqued my interest a little bit even back then. I was like, what the hell was this thing? Because I remember just thinking it was super insanely cool that there was a channel dedicated totally to video games before, you know, Twitch was a huge deal, at least to me, before YouTube streaming and all this. But before we figured out how to, like, do video games in media, which is a lot more geared towards live streaming and it was an, all of Back that. when the primary form of video games media was the magazines, yeah. was your Game Informer, was your EGM, was your Game Pro, was your official PlayStation magazine. Uh, G4 kind of promised that level of um, 
that level of of engagement and that level of like fan to fan kind of uh, uh, language on your television. Uh, honest to God, I barely. I also really like should have been a bigger fan of this, but it was also kind of more in the periphery. I think. By this time, I was already like watching Adult Swim. I think even by this time, I had given up my uh, video game magazines and started buying stuff like uh, Stuff Magazine or like Maxim or, you know, the the Lad Mags. It was all like celebrities in yes. bikinis and my cool God, gadget Lad reviews. Mags. Yeah. yeah. And so G4, by extension, tried to like bridge the gap and was a little bit of a Lad Mad lad bag channel all on its own oh yeah totally. Uh, weirdly enough i was if i had to talk about something that i felt oddly wistful for it would be shit like the tech tv programming yeah that like that little bit more drier austere like for software developers and engineers and genuine like fans of technology that's the kind of shit that i was like that i would actually find myself sitting and watching and being like oh this is kind of nice mm-hmm. yeah and and that but as geeks media as the geek market kind of uh, ascended around the 2000s g4 was there uh, attack of the show and x play were like a constant source of interviews and information it was basically the only game in town if you wanted uh, coverage of e3 as it was happening um, the G4 TV website was an excellent uh, source of information up there with game trailers and IGN and all those other websites back in the day. And there is just this weird tragedy where G4, the network, was based on the idea that like this market exists. Like gamers are a thing. The Sega ads in the 90s were successful. There are young men who identify themselves as games hobbyists. Uh, and we they, we should be able to tap that market. And then they went away just as the internet was completely exploding, only for it to come back, having completely missed the train of what the, the that same audience actually wants. So it was both ahead of its time and way too after its time. Yeah. So it's, and the result are these two just kind of doomed ventures all under the banner of uh, the Comcast mega corporation. <laughs> Yeah, it's so funny to see how how much of the gaming space has evolved and how much of the games journalism space especially has evolved from that first incarnation that was way overly horny to the other incarnation that was just like totally the opposite, like Everything they were promised going into that G4, according to the former employees of the relaunch of G4, was we're going to have this very inclusive, very diverse, very, you know, um, very much... you know, open space for the all all different types of people who play video games. You know, mm-hmm. to the point where almost though, like it was all so spread thin um, in terms of what they were ap- attacking video game wise. The problem is, there's just a lot of. It's not you know there were early the guy who first started I even have a quote from it the the guy, the the initial guy who created G4 was literally looking at like well there's a golf network. And there's a food network. Why can't there be a video game network? But the problem is golf is this one very specific game. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And like you can just show people playing golf ad nauseum and people talking about the game of golf. Video games, there's esports, there's RPGs, 
there's like incredibly online. Com- yeah. Um, MMORPGs. MMORPGs. Yeah. There's personality streamers. There's speedrunners. There's all these different types of approaches to video games media. And then there's journalism and there's people reviewing stuff and people trying to talk right now. We're, if you're listening to this, like as it came out, we're just coming off the heels of a very bizarre media event where people are debating whether even to review a game just based off of its quote unquote fun factor or to look at the cultural implications around the game. Mm -hmm. There's completely different ways to even approach video game journalism, you know, and to try to do all of it to try to do the fucking kitchen sink of of uh you know video game media just is in a way impossible because you're always like not pleasing giant contingents so who's going there for it you know and the esports people it's hard to keep them if you're going to try to also do like bring in you know famous youtube influencer gamer people and have them come in and like do comedy and stuff like that it's just so hard to hone in on like what a video game channel would be. I personally agree with you, Jake. And I just think if they had figured out how to do essentially like the giant bomb thing, which is also kind of falling apart, by the way. So I don't know why that's like maybe not the best example to use right now, but, but the, the sort of thing where a, um, you have like a bunch of personalities that are really fun to watch in their own right, like do live streams and stuff, who also can all get together regularly and discuss video games. You know what I mean? Uh, if they had hooked into that, I think they could have figured out a way to relaunch it. But the problem was they got so weird and horny with that initial incarnation of, <laughs> and we'll, and we are going to give you the roadmap, by the way, it did not start that horny mm-hmm. and we're going to show you how it got so fucking horny and weird. I mean, worked because I didn't even realize until we did the Sunday study session, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew $50 a month. You could join us on discord while to be baffled at how, why I'm literally watching a quote unquote video chan- game channel, but I'm literally just watching a grown woman shove like six sausages into her mouth to to simulate uh, uh oral sex no it was for it was to prove that it was she was cool and funny and it was it was uh <sighs> it was fine it was fine it was she's a very listen listen she's a the, the the fact that there are so many g4 waifus that like yes. Kristen adams from the cheat show was just a basically a supermodel just like dryly uh, reciting various video game walkers. So funny, dude. For seven years, there was a core audience that watched <laughs> this beautiful woman explain how to play through uh, Jack and Daxter. <laughs> while in theory, you can't even play Jack and Daxter because you're watching the show on your TV. Like, there's no practical dude, way. Please, I beg you, go pull up like an old episode of Attack of the Show. <laughs> it, it really is mind blowing how like to, like how, how how would you describe it? Would you say toxically male? Would you say okay? All right, all right. So there is how a do we want to describe this? One of the things that is, was really hard about uh, researching was your this penis, episode, Jake. I no. get it. Okay, unbelievable. Honestly, I set that up, and you were right to take the <laughs> shot. One of the most difficult. There we go. Make a dick joke out of that. One of the most difficult things was (laughs) 
just how that was the zeitgeist. That was what geek culture was. Geek culture right. was rebellious and anti-authority and uh, like not scared to get a little nasty, to get a little naughty. And that was part of the fun was it was this like teenage boy playground where all the girls were skinny and were willing to like joke around with you. And it was all this like weird fantasy. And it's only after the fact that like all the booth babes and all the hosts and all the women in the industry were like, oh, it was a nightmare. I was not treated like a person. My will was completely subservient to this massive billion dollar industry and their horny teenage fans. I felt awful the whole time. And at the but at the time we were all in on the same energy. I re, yes, watching Attack of the Show, one of the segments uh when I was watching hours and hours of old G4 content was um they were shooting airsoft guns at two associate producers while they completed various office tasks. And the person who was able to finish the quickest while getting shot the least would get a like a promotion. That was the game was to like un severely underpaid over because everybody at that network was like, you know, they were Anytime there's a passion project, you know, anytime there's people that are in it because they love something, you're they're going to work for dirt. Uh, Kevin Pereira and Olivia Munn just blasting them away with airsoft rifles. They had like barely any protection on. And out of nowhere, Olivia Munn just starts screaming, I have a vagina. I have. Yeah, you're getting shot by a girl with a girl vagina. And I was just like, what the fuck am I watching? And like the guy, like I you know, the game's over. They're showing, they're like bleeding. There's welts all over their body, and she's like, "Yeah, you got shot by a girl with a <laughs> vagina." And I'm just like, "What was this era? It's Who were so we? weird." And I, we were talking about it before, and you were like screaming about all of this, and I was like, "You, you sound like you, you're, you sound like Adam Sessler." You sound like you, Jake Young, hate the gamer. I don't hate gamers. I hate myself. <laughs> and I yes. used to be a gamer. <laughs> it's nuts. It really reminded me, I mean, of how ridiculous that era was. And even if you go back and you look at like MTV Spring Break, you know, I mean, just the intensity of the male gaze and how imbalanced it was towards men objectifying women. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And by the way, man, we're going to fucking get into this stuff and we're going to kind of trash this stuff a little bit. If that's like too hard for you to take, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. We're it's, old, it's all right? So our, our, our actual testosterone has diminished, all right? we we're, our, our minds are finally clear enough to be like, oh, that was a little fucked up. Yeah, my wiener's like really soggy, you know, and <laughs> sad for, I'd say about five days out of the week at this point in my life. So, I mean, we've got perspective now. Holden, have you thought about incorporating it into your Twitch schedule? You're like, oh, it's Wednesday. You know what that means? It's one of my horny days. <laughs> That <laughs> today's the day I get horny, horny, and Lexi just goes, "I need out." I've contacted a lawyer. I'm gonna go. We'll do joints because I know you want uh, some time with Winnie, of course. But uh, yeah, but it it it's I, I, you know it's weird now because though I you know what it is the reason why I even said that Jake I'm in my head now because the whole mm -hmm. Frosk thing right yeah, yeah and the whole like 
the whole backlash you get for quote unquote like shitting on your own audience thing right Mm -hmm. and it's like i would just hope that the people listening don't even hear this and go like what the fuck you talking about you fucking libtard you know what i mean And it's just like dude it's so egregious and ridiculous and so like and so alienating to such a giant swath of the video game playing audience at this point. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. And it's crazy that you have a channel dedicated to video games and it really just kind of, all it did to me was like shine a light on, even though it wasn't the choice of the audience for them to make that content per se, but clearly the results came in and the results were gangbusters. As soon as they did the, changeover with attack of the show in addition to olivia munn and the total changeover of content and uh, and you can be hard pressed by the way to pull up a clip from ogg4 as you said that doesn't somehow find dick hard horniness uh (laughs) an angle of it there was such a funny i was watching um sarah sarah underwood was hosting a wooga wooga by the way that was the one that that was one of the only things i knew about g4 was uh a wooga wooga sarah underwood was a host of attack of the show later on after olivia munn left and um and i thought she was a pretty lady and uh, this movie reviewer guy comes on and he's talking about reviewing the the movie and then and, and then at the very end, he's like, it'll be even better if you can watch with old Sarah over there. Am I right, everybody? Everyone's like, woo, woo. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? What is that? And she's just like, ha, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, what the fucking planet is this? How is this a handful of years ago? This is like five years ago. So that's what's so crazy when they do the revival in you know 2021 or whatever and you've got like frost up there being like you guys are fucking gross (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean and it's like but how do they even get ahead of that you know how do they even and now there's such a disparity between these types of audiences in the gaming world and like i said because of a very recent controversial video game release we're seeing that firsthand we're seeing one side of the aisle be like we are allies we are you know this will not stand this is disgusting blah 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 about the issue and on the other and you have such a strong condition being like fuck you Get wrecked, you fucking libtard. I'll do play whatever I want to play, and I don't. I'm just going to refuse to take responsibility or acknowledge the fact that there's really fucked up issues going on. You know what I mean? And it just and 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 we saw it with uh the uh, you know the biggest example that happened years ago that really shined a light on that was GamerGate, right? Oh yeah. BP added more than seventy billion dollars to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. 
Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So obviously we're losing the thread a lot, but I feel like it needs to be talked about because we're old enough. And if you're listening to this, you're probably old enough that you remember when gamer was a united culture, when there wasn't this amount of schism. I remember being in college, going to fandom conventions, anime cons, gaming gatherings. And I honestly like had this thought to myself being like, it's amazing. Everybody here is all on the same level. We've all learned the same stories of heroism and selflessness and like community. And like, this might be, this might supplant major religions. This is the future. No weird political schism will ever make this weird. And now it is like, gaming is part of everything. There's clans, there's tribes, there's purity tests. And I think maybe G4 was doomed from the start, just from the initial premise, like you said, that like gamers are one thing. And if we market to them, we will get all of them because there's just, they're just gamers and we got it all figured out because we got the money, we got the know-how and we can just pay our way into uh, relevancy, which is not to say, now watch me backpedal on all this, Holden. Right. Shows like- You have to. I watched a bunch of shows, for all the weirdness of stuff like Code Monkeys and Attack of the Show and Cinematech colon Nocturnal Emissions, the weird horny version of the show where they just showed clips of video games. Um, Spaceballs, the animated series, one of the worst fucking shows ever made. There was also X-Play. And X-Play was an honest to God, like they did some like wacky sketches along the way, but watching some like early 2000s era X-Play, like back when it was extended play, it was as close to like an honest to God video games journalism show as I could have, I could have wanted back then. You know, like they were reviewing classics like Silent Hill and Metal Gear Solid 3. Like these were the, this, they were people that cared about video games and wanted to do good content on sometimes an incredibly untenable schedule. And there was like, it was a place for people to go at like, you know, 8 PM on a weeknight to just like chill out and engage with the things they loved. So there are a lot there, despite, despite the existential crisis that watching a lot of this old G4 content caused in you and me, Holden, I can appreciate the nostalgia that people honestly had for the more high-minded programming on the network. And, uh, you know, it was X-Play and Attack of the Show that kind of were the heart and soul of the network for all the, uh, you know, for all the stuff like Arena and uh, Human Wrecking Balls. Human Wrecking Balls was a show where they just took burly men and they had to destroy objects with their bodies, whether that was a house or a boat, or whatever. Like, it was, you know, when it was just amygdala brainstem entertainment, it was cringe. But when they were honestly trying to elevate video game discourse, it was good. All right, Jake, you're taught, you're scranting and screaming like a <laughs> man on the moon. I mean, Jake, you're just, you're, you're unhinged. You're wild right now. Oh, my God, he's got TNT strapped to his chest. You didn't even let me get to Hurl, the show where people had to eat stuff <laughs> and then puke. Competitively, I blocked out Hurl from the study session. I forgot about how weird that one is happening in this. Okay. 
G4, let's get into it, was a TV and digital network uh, that mainly did video game oriented content. It ran from 2022 to 20, uh, 2002 to 2014 and then had a relaunch in 2021, which lasted only until November of 2022, which honestly might be a record for a, for a television network uh, collapsing. And when we talk about that part, I'm going to get really mad because of the amount of money that was wasted by f- idiot fucking executives <laughs> being fucking idiots and having no idea how Twitch or YouTube or any of this shit works. It's basically just succession IRL. <sighs> it's I am besides myself and, and it just annoys me every time TV tries to figure out what Twitch is mm-hmm. and how bad they are at it. And this goes for everybody in the business, managers, mm-hmm. agents, everyone are so fucking dumb about Twitch and YouTube. I can't even describe it. It it's makes me literally furious. like they look at the they look at the landscape and it's like, all right, literally every channel that has ever made a lot of money started small and built an audience and then caught fire. What if we skip that part and just spend a bunch of money on a bunch of shit that is completely unproven? That'll work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and that's why we're also going to get uh, Knocky Knees Nancy in here to make things funny again. Oh, my breasts are out. Oh. God damn it, Nancy, your breasts. Get up. I, thought it was, I thought it was all about your knees. Oh, I can't knock me knees when my breasts are flying out of me blouse. Oh, no. Oh, God, are we turning into G4? What's happening here? Nancy let's, let's is a talk. real woman we hired for this podcast, and she is not happy about her treatment. Nope, I love to be completely objectified and just looked at in a certain kind of way. I mean, we, we would objectify you, but those those breasts are just uh, too kinetic. Get, just handle them. Just please keep them in still. So to apologize to our female audience, non-binary audience, everybody in between. Uh, G4 was launched in 2002 by cable giant Comcast in order to compete with Tech TV, which was established by Ziff Davis at first under the name ZDTV in 1998 in order to turn his popular print media content into television content. We're talking PC Magazine, Mac Week, E Week, all those tech mags. He was uh. like, "Why don't we? Why don't we figure out how to?" televise this how to now tech is huge just imagine just imagining this mogul looking at an article that was like top 15 shareware finds that you gotta download right away uh at 24 kilobits a second obviously it will take you several weeks to download all the shareware <laughs> and this guy just being like hot cha-cha-cha we gotta make this a uh, television network <laughs> uh, so tech tv predates g4 as the first cable channel d- dedicated to tech uh, however, the idea was to have G4 be geared toward a younger demographic, and that's where things get nutty. 18 to 34-year-olds was this coveted mm-hmm. group of people. The demo. And at this point, uh, especially the male audience, but but female audience as well, that used to be held by MTV mm-hmm. in a huge way. And MTV, over the time, as we've seen, really went in very different directions, got geared towards, I think, the younger uh, girl audience, a younger audience. 
and uh, just just sort of lost its like its cool factor mm-hmm. in that sense. And I think they were looking for like that cool factor again. And th- it's a challenging, challenging but incredibly lucrative demo to cater to. Hirschhorn had this to say. This is uh, Charles Hirschhorn is uh, by the way the creator of G Four. There's lots of kid channels, lots of female channels, lots of channels for older adults. There's just not much for 18 to 34 year old males. The channel soft launched with a week of Pong matches, almost as if they were evolving as a video game channel, uh, starting with the first game. The channel, uh, uh, so Charles Hirshhorn, by the way, a little background on him. He went to Harvard. He graduated with a degree in business in 1979. A decade later, he was named vice president of development for the Fox Broadcasting Company. And during that time, he helped to create the hit sketch comedy series In Living Color. So this guy, I mean, if you remember, In Living Color was incredibly hip, Mm -hmm. incredibly cool to the 18 to 34-year-old demo. This guy, I think, kind of, I think he sort of liked to think he lived and breathed that demo. And he he could figure out how to attract that uh, to a to a TV network. He moved from Fox to Disney in the 90s as executive vice president of Hollywood Pictures. And over that time, the studio released 20 films, including The Joy Luck Club, The Santa Claus, and Quiz Show. And after that, though, he moved on to founding G4. While working on animation for Disney and seeing what a labor it was, he and this is such like a narrow understanding though to me of like what video games is about and what d- animation for Disney is about. But while working on animation for Disney and seeing what a labor it was, he also noticed that video game companies were quote creating software that could render animation instantaneously. He felt that this was a much more efficient approach to animation. Then he visited E3. And that's where he saw lines and lines of people waiting for hours just so they could play a video game for just a little bit. And he said, quote, nobody from television were pulling from that world. And so he set off to do just that. Pull that audience towards a TV network. This is fascinating because it's Charles Hershoney will be the first to admit he has no emotional connection with like video games as a hobby, as an art form, as a culture he just saw the numbers. He just saw the efficiency. Like, he just knew something was there. And even the idea that video games were a cheap source of visually dynamic uh, entertainment compared to traditional animation is even, like, he's so ahead of the curve that it would take years for YouTube to explode with gaming content after the copyright uh, system was enacted. Because as we covered in the Halo and the Red and the uh, Rooster Teeth Red versus Blue thing, all of a sudden, if you just needed to produce hours of content that could hold people's attention, just having footage of video games was the most uh, interesting, like beautiful, like basically the work was done for you to create these compelling sounds and images ahead of time. And it's, you know, it makes sense that some of G4's earliest shows were just clips from video games and trailers of video games because it was these fully produced pieces of AAA entertainment just ready to go with no overhead, with no oversight. And yet still, he just didn't quite know why. He just didn't know exactly what, like, there was no philosophy behind it. He just saw all the pieces and was like, there is money here, but 
why, how, me, no, no. And that's so funny you say there's no philosophy behind it. That also goes for the name. No, it does not mean fourth generation of video games. No, it does not mean games, gear, geeks, and girls. <laughs> it means none of those things. Apparently, it was just Her- Hirschhorn was at home, had the idea, yelled out to his wife, hey, we need to get a domain name for this uh, video game channel. Can you go find us a domain name, something video game related? And she was just like, hey... Um, everything's already taken or it costs way too much to buy it because he was trying to do it incredibly cheaply even at that point, even on the domain name. And so he just asked her, hey, just start with a V or G or something. And then she yelled back, well, G4 is available (laughs) and the rest is history. Yes, that's right. Everything about this is arbitrary, seemingly, from the research. So Hirschhorn Yeah, now that I think about it, G4 TV could almost be TV for gamers, but instead it's gamer for TV. Yeah, yeah, nothing. It means nothing. It's devoid. You can you can attach some if you can. I had always heard Games Gear Geeks and Girls, and mm. so that's very funny that that was just also created after the fact. Uh, and so also this there was this very naive concept too. Again, another clear line to they're trying to recreate MTV for a new generation, a generation that plays video games. The hope was that game makers would actually and others around the culture of video games would come to them with content in the exact same way that music video producers sort of hit a gold rush trying to create stuff for MTV. MTV kind of created the industry, but also MTV got the their content for free for for much of the day and that was such a smart way to cheaply have this cable channel didn't exactly work like that although you you know they were able to run footage of existing video games but not really a one-to-one right no one's like you know whereas mtv you know like let's say smells like teen spirit Mm -hmm. like that changed the course of music and the music video was a part of that sea change in music at the time there was no video game that was aired on G4 that like because it was aired on G4 like change genres of video you know what i mean like there's no one to one there anecdotally anecdotally people that watched at the time would say that they saw like on a random clip on Cinematech some weird japanese shoot 'em up that they wouldn't have like sure. known about otherwise or uh, the reviews on X-Play would, ha- would be like the deciding factor on whether or not they'd head over to GameStop and pick sure, up a Sure, but no specific- game maker can point to G4 and be like, this changed our lives when this <laughs> aired on G4. Hirschhorn also hey. offered a... <laughs> hey, hey, Mar- hey, Chuck, it's your cousin, Marvin Miyamoto. <laughs> you know that new gameplay mechanic you've been Good looking for? God, Jake. Good Listen God, to this. Don't make me bring Naki Knees Nancy back out here. Please, with her. no, she'll take an eye out. <laughs> Uh, Hirschhorn also offered a unique advertising package early on, allowing for advertisers to run ads within the shows themselves and even uh, offer to have a game showcased on the show Pulse, of course, for a price. So you already have this very scrappy money-making attempt uh, with this channel. Uh, G4's original lineup consisted of 13 shows, all original programming, including Arena, uh, including Arena, according to uh, NextTV.com. It is, quote, a digital sports highlight game show in which competitors play the top multiplayer games, said Senior Vice President of Programming Vince Longobardo. Also from that article... 
Other shows include Filter, a roadshow series that will take viewers across the U.S. in search of great games and arcades. It's actually a really cool premise for a series. Blister, which provides viewers with up-to-date information on games in the action and adventure genres. Cinematech, a showcase for the best high-end digital art and storytelling in-game cinematics and trailers. And Sweat, which focuses on the top sports titles. For hardcore gamers, Cheat... What, what, what were you saying? Just the one, one thing about Arena... Which uh, I think is uh, notable is uh, a, Will Wheaton was one of the original hosts with another guy, and he left the show very quickly, uh, kind of voicing his his dissatisfaction with the uh, just uh, terrible production staff, which resulted in um, what he claimed was uh, local teenagers being enlisted to come to the studio, wait around for hours, get paid only in pizza. And eventually they had to stop like the local gaming community stopped answering their ads because word got around that it was like kind of a shitty experience and there's no real prize. It uh, does not surprise me. In so the they least. had to get like G4 like interns and employees to fill in the spots. And so you can actually see like when that switchover happens, it goes from like a bunch of like rowdy teens that are all like eager to play Unreal Tournament to just like some sad middle aged men just being like, no, flank left. God damn it. Flank left. (laughs) However, uh, one of the replacement hosts was a young Kevin Pereira. And that Mm. was like his first like one of his first kind of toe dips as an on-screen personality for the night. Gotcha. And I've got more background on him as well as we get a little closer to Attack of the Show and all that. Uh, I love this so dates the the messaging toward to like the gaming community for hardcore gamers. Cheat will provide tips on solving puzzles or finding hidden levels within popular video games. What does that even mean? Hardcore gamers while portal will explore popular multiplayer online games on the news and talk front. Pulse will provide late breaking uh, late breaking information on the gaming industry while two video game gurus will opine on the latest entry on Judgment Day. And interactive uh, talk show G4TV.com will give viewers and internet users a chance to weigh in on new games and industry issues, Longobardo said. So that honestly, though, that doesn't sound like a terrible set of, you know, uh, uh, programming for a a gaming audience. Like, it's dry, but like, if you're really into it, this is way more exciting to me than whatever G4 fucking became when it got insanely popular. Uh, a Did you mention a uh, filter? The uh, top ten countdown show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was okay. So this was initially. Listen, to this. I did say that, but this is what it was initially apparently going to be. Other shows include Filter, a roadshow series. Oh, I, that was the roadshow series. That will take viewers across the U.S. in search of great games and arcades. That would have been cool if they went around like diners, drives, drive-ins and dives. But instead of that, it was like mom and pop arcades and like pinball museums and stuff like that. That would be dope. But no, what did Filter become? Filter became a top 10 countdown show that started with like top 10 video games based on movies. And as the show got uh, more maximified, it was stuff like hottest video game villains and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 of course. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and 
starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I will say one of the standout programs from the initial lineup that I still watch, uh, actually, to this day, is Icons which was kind mm. of a documentary series, kind of a half hour behind the music style uh, uh, story of just various uh, legendary developers like Shigeru Miyamoto or Yuji Naka or Hideo Kojima or video game franchises. The uh, God of War Icons documentary was v- invaluable to uh, kind of learning about the development and the atmosphere at Santa Monica Studios back in the day for our God of War episode. A lot of those uh, old Icons episodes are on YouTube, and they still hold up. They are a fascinating educational snapshot of the games industry of that era. So an early controversial move was that Comcast announced in 2004 a merger with, previously, previously mentioned, Tech TV. Fans of the existing channel were super pissed about this since G4 was not really the same thing. It was geared toward a young male audience and it also led to hosts like uh, Laporte exiting the shows he hosted, uh, which were falling apart around him. It it caused the termination of 250 employees at Tech TV. Hirshhorn, uh, Hirshhorn actually later said, the challenge of linear cable television station is that you need to find distribution and you need to find ultimately a minimum of 40 million homes. I thought it was really kind of fascinating insider stuff. At the time, they were in 15 million homes, and so they had to find a way to, quote, get over that hurdle, according to Hirshhorn. And it turned out an acquisition of Tech TV would solve that, and it was just the perfect way to do so, according to him, quote, for many reasons. However, he did later apologize for how quickly they moved on, moved on the merger, and he feels that he, quote, ripped off the Band-Aid before the wound had healed. And this hasty transition led to a lot of people getting fired, a lot of shows getting completely scrapped, and it just... It just they just gutted that tech TV and they just took that whole audience got screwed over and they did just didn't really especially st- starting around 2005 when this is when they make it all penisy. It's they, they, uh, it just the, it just took away it just was not what that channel used to be at all. The challenges of cable television is its own unique thing. This was a Comcast owned network, so they if Comcast were to put it on the basic cable package. That's uh, bandwidth that would have gone from basic cable networks paying for the slot for Comcast, so they couldn't put it there. They had it as a paid extra, like Digital Plus or something. And, you know, unfortunately, 18-year-olds don't really make the financial decisions about their household cable package. So it wasn't really up to them whether or not they would get it. And then the other cable networks, your Coxes your optimums, your whatevers wouldn't take on the network themselves because they belong to their competition and would only help their competition's bottom line. So the, yeah, the tech TV thing was just one of the few ways to just buy their way into more households. It it was kind of a catch 22 on top of the fact that 
you know, a lot of this program was very cheaply done. You know, they he pointed out MTV as this kind of uh, uh, influence. And part of that is just that early MTV was also cheap as hell. They just had a killer app. They just had the music videos. They had the culture that had people demanding, I want my MTV. Whereas just G4, you know, it didn't... G4TV.com, the call-in show where people talk about whether or not the PlayStation 2 is superior to the Xbox is just not where the money was. It just wasn't setting hearts on fire. And that's where Neil Tiles comes in. In 2005, he replaces Hirshhorn as the president of G4. Before that, he was a senior marketing executive at DirecTV, Fox Sports, and ESPN. He decided to gear the channel more towards male-oriented content. With the, uh, He had this to say about it. Guys like to play games, but not necessarily watch a bunch of shows with games on the screen. Mm. Gaming has been demonstrated as being too narrow. I mean, come on, man. I mean, look at my penis right now. It barely has any blood in it. I mean, what's going on? Where are the breasts? Where's the filthy ass? I want to get pink eye from eating a dirty ass. And uh, I don't see any of that on my TV screen. God damn it. Where did this gun come from? Oh, man. <laughs> Let's go shooting, boys. Um, some of that was not a direct quote from uh, Tiles, but the first part was definitely. So the team was now going to be headed up by Ted Halbert, uh, Harbert, who had formerly run the Channel E, and the whole operation was relocated to E's Los Angeles office. This surprises me so little in hindsight. I was like, oh, of course, it's the guy who was running E at the time. Because you know what Attack of the Show really is? Dude Talk Soup. Mm-hmm. That's all it was. If anybody remembers the show Talk Soup. Well, no, they had more- Web Soup, which was Web Soup. with uh, Chris Hardwick. That was a G4 uh, original show. Straight up talk suit. But I mean, even Attack of the Show had that same vibe. You hear the like mm-hmm. people off stage, like uh, uh, on the sound stage, like off screen, uh, hooting and hollering and laughing at jokes and stuff. It had that loose vibe to it. It was like, we're a talk show, but we're like not all that produced, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Did you just shoot your cat with a Nerf gun? No. Is that I, what just happened? I shot a pillow on the ground, but oh, <laughs> sometimes I just see the Nerf gun and it's like, hey, Hey Jake, hey J- hey Jake, just 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 shoot me. Just shoot me. I'm a Nerf gun. You're allowed to have these intrusive thoughts. The sea change was most apparent with the introduction of the program Attack of the Show. Attack of the Show was actually a mutation of the tech TV show The Screensavers, which was tech TV's most successful technology show. It had already been moving away from tech and more into the realm of geek culture. And as that happened, the folks associated with Screensavers, most notably host Leo Laporte, as I mentioned before, started exiting the show, leaving just a few originals. Kevin Rose, Brendan Moran, and Sarah Lane. For a while, Kevin Rose was the host, and he was doing a lot of the like tech talk still, mm-hmm. for sure. But they started throwing in this other content into the mix, and it was just very jarring and strange. And you also had Kevin Pereira established as the show's co-host and later main host, as he was more charismatic than the other Kevin. Kevin Pereira got into media early as host of Pointless Audio at the age of 14 under the pseudonym Captain Jimmy. <laughs> the show featured prank call 
novels and other comedy stuff and was hosted on gaming websites at the time. After college, he worked as a network administrator and internet service provider for a handful of years before starting out as a production assistant in 2002 on the talk show G4 TV. And eventually he moved over to, as Jake mentioned before, the screensavers in 2004, which turned into Attack of the Show, which he co-hosted with Sarah Lane until she left in 2006 and was replaced with... Mon, Olivia mon, 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 Miss Olivia. Oh, you're pretty. Bum, 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 All right. Go eat All those hot dogs on nerdy TV. Listen to this right now, okay? We need you to cool you your jets a little bit, in a bad X-Men movie. But ooey gooey, want to see them boobies. All right, Jake, please. Can we for a moment? Oh, it's me. Would somebody say boobies? It's knocking these Nancy. Oh, oh, oh. oh, my God. She set herself on fire. I'm dying here. I'm dying, Jake! The closest I've ever had to a full identity meltdown was watching the X-Men movie (laughs) Age of Apocalypse in which uh, Olivia Munn plays Psylocke, the sexy ninja psychic assassin that I was obsessed with as a 12-year-old boy and just really did not understand how women worked unless Jim Lee drew them in a leotard. And (laughs) I was an adult-ass man, and there's a scene where Michael Fassbender, in the role of Magneto, goes to Auschwitz and uses in a a cacophonous uh, explosion of rage and sorrow and grief, destroys the uh, barbed wire fence around the famous uh, concentration camp. And then the camera does a slow pan shot of Olivia Munn's butt as Psylocke. And I just like, as a Jew, as a nerd, as everything, (laughs) I was just like, what is this reality? How is this on a movie screen? What is, I have to call my parents and my therapist on two separate phones. (laughs) Oh, my Christ, Jake. Well, there you go. I'm about to confuse you even more with her tragic upbringing. Uh, Olivia Munn grew up moving around a decent amount uh, as her stepfather was in the U.S. Air Force. He was also apparently a verbally abusive asshole. So Munn found herself entertaining her four siblings by doing imitations of their teachers and scenes from movies they liked to block out and distract from their screaming stepfather in the other room. She went on to college for journalism while also studying drama on the side, after which she had a gig as a sideline reporter for college football and women's basketball. She did not like this gig. It was super not a good fit. Very funny. She keeps finding herself in industries that like she has no real passion for or connection to and just tries to figure out how to make it work. She didn't love that gig, as I said. She then moved to L.A. not long afterward, where she managed to get a few low-level TV and film roles before winning a contest put out to the public for the next co-host of Attack of the Show. And yet again, video games, not a big interest for her in reality. And actually, she didn't even, she almost didn't take the gig. It was a full-on Monday to Friday day like nine to five style day job and she was at the end of the day really just interested in pursuing a career in acting which you kind of need to have that open schedule in order to pursue and as we would see she would become pretty successful uh that x-men movie aside you know she had her breakthrough with the network Mm -hmm. and um which was also not I didn't think was very good, but still she had a she's had a solid career, and uh, then she eventually got to uh, divorce John Mulaney, <laughs> you know, which is a huge um, situation for her. But yeah, she she uh, ends up taking the gig, and with the addition of Olivia Munn. This is when the show just it was now completely devoid of tech content. 
more geared towards comedy and geek culture. Oh, uh, not completely devoid, but but so not tech. Like they're talking about video games. They're talking about cult Movies. and geek culture stuff. They're not really like this is the new iPhone or something mm-hmm. like that. I mean, I'm, a for lot the of most segments part. where they'll just go over like viral videos of the day where so it's literally the both of them just right. yucking it up while some like grainy MOV files of people getting hit in the nuts plays. I mean, that first episode that we pulled up was like so eye-opening and because I made the joke earlier, but this is literally what we saw. They watched like a video of someone getting hit in the nuts and laughed at it and it was like a Tosh.0 thing. And then it just cut back to them and both uh, Kevin and Olivia just had like five big sausages (laughs) in their mouth. And like, and then it was this whole thing about Olivia like almost putting the sausage in her mouth and then pulling it away and, and the crew almost going, doing uh, it again. Oh, uh, 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 it was like so fucking weird. I was like, I just couldn't believe what was happening on, on the screen. I it, will say it's a little bit of it's not a perfect vertical slice because we did go to YouTube and it makes a lot it, of yeah. sense that that's the most viewed highest in the search results episode. But still, there was a lot of stuff like that. There was a lot of uh, oh, Olivia are you Mon- talking about video game vixens or wired for sex or are you talking <laughs> about uh, uh, what's another good one? Uh, whacked out videos or. Uh, oh God, I still can't believe this show is called Nocturnal Emissions. <laughs> I know, unbelievable. And and so Olivia Munn is just very game to do these pretty humiliating sexual things. And one of the first biggest examples is the uh, aforementioned hot dog on a string uh, dipped in mustard. And she like rides a fake. So apparently it was like imitating a, a viral video of a woman eating a hot dog off a string um, while riding a bicycle. So Kevin pretended to be the bicycle and she pretended to be riding on him uh, in this really like awkward, cringy way. And they like ride up. And then she, of course, take, you know, in a way that simulated oral sex takes a big old chomp out of the hot dog. And uh, I, here's a couple of quotes just to give you kind of a sense of the the culture or, uh, at the studio. This is what producer Gavin Purcell said. Any other host would have been like, oh my God, what are we going to do? With Olivia, she's totally going to do it because she knows how much fun it will be. And it's not going to be a serious thing. No one is going to be freaked out about it. I think that's a great thing. Munn had this to say. I came into the office to do our read through and we're all going over it. Hot dog falls in mustard. Olivia puts it in her mouth. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Can we reverse a bit? What makes you think I do this? And they said, well, Olivia, you're always game. And it's true. I don't take myself that seriously at all. So when something comes down, if it can be remotely funny, I'm going to do it. The, the, the great thing is it's a daily show. So the next day, I always have the opportunity to adopt an orphan from Ethiopia or something to regain my dignity. I always have the next day to make it up. I love that they try to say the word fun and funny as if it's not just completely purely for like a sexual, you know, uh, horniness purpose. You know what I mean? It's just not, it wasn't funny. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm saying it's like, it's not funny because it's so gross that she's doing it, that it's like so derogatory, but it's like, come on guys, be honest. You're getting her to do it because it's horny and you want to do you. You're trying to put that kind of content on the screen. Not because it's fun, not because it's funny. It's just, it's just so it's such an old school way of describing stuff. If I may play horny nerds advocate, uh, you know, 
the dream of the nerd is to like not have to change really anything about themselves and yet still like be, have status and dignity and acceptance. And as part of that, you know, for straight men, it's female attention and like hanging out with hot chicks and getting to have something resembling sexual like intimacy. And so the the fun of G4, the promise of G4 is that you get to engage with all these video games and movies and all these puerile jokes. But there's still hot chicks hanging around who are in, quote unquote, in on the joke and they're cool about it. And it's only like in the intervening 15 years since all this happened that we know the truth that is like, no, yeah. we live in a society and society yeah. really does not uh, society will only bend itself to your specific whims if capitalism figures out a way to make money. It's also it. very uh, telling that it's like, I said, hey, wait a second. What am I doing now? I'm putting a hot dog in my mouth. I'm, I'm like kind of paraphrasing Olivia yeah. Munn. And then you have her saying, and then everybody in the room, all the guys in the room were like, come on, you're always game. You mm. like to do this sort of thing. You know what I mean? If you reframe that, if you were actually in the room, I think it'd be a lot more coercion going mm. on and kind of peer pressure going on from the especially predominantly like male run production staff and everything. And she, of course, what is she going to do? Is she going to back down and stick by her guns? That's probably the beginning of the end for her as mm. a w employee there. If she does stuff like yeah, that. Olivia's you know? been real difficult lately. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Not really a team player. So the Mun era runs from 06 to 2010, and when that's when she announced she would be leaving. After she left, they spent a couple of years having a slew of co-hosts do the show with Pereira, most notably Candace Bailey and Sarah Underwood, until Pereira announced he would be leaving the show to focus on television production in 2012, and the show ended for good later that year. And before we get into, like, the end of this first era, I also wanted to give a background on the other big mainstay show that ran that was a little bit less um, goof em ups, a little bit more true to like the video game network that was uh, the original idea, and that would be X Play. Oh, Extended Play? Yes, Extended Play. X Play was, uh, had a crazy lineage. It was evolved, an evolved form of a show called GameSpot TV that ran ba on back when it was ZDTV before even Tech TV. It uh, consisted of current news and gaming, a game review segment, and closed out with a segment featuring strategy guides and hints for recently released games. I love that that is always in there, like, cheat. Like, we're going to tell you cheat codes and show you how to get... Like, that's so obsolete now. Yeah. Like, no one needs that at all. The only reason why anyone ever buys a strategy guide anymore is just as purely as a collector's yeah. item. Like, the, there's no other reason cheat for it. now, it would just be like, all right, here's another top tip. Uh, if you want to get the maximum ammo in Halo Infinite, what you got to yeah. do is take out your credit card, go to the triple XP <laughs> multiplier and pay for it. I didn't, think, I didn't realize that's where you're at. Yeah, exactly. No, totally. It's so funny. Or all you got to do is watch these professional streamers stream the game for hours on end. Any one of them, there's a million gameplay <laughs> videos on YouTube, and they'll show you exactly how to do it. And you can watch them whenever you want. You don't have to <laughs> wait and hope that the particular episode you are watching happens to coincide with a game you are currently that playing. part of the game you're playing. It makes no sense. Uh, it later becomes... Uh, it later becomes extended play in early 2001 with a simplified format and locale that only focused on game reviews and game hits. 
X-Blade debuted in 2003 on Tech TV. It focused mostly on reviews and previews of upcoming games with an occasional comedy sketch relating to video games from time to time. This version of the show introduced a bit more of that edgy, adult-oriented approach. Oh, my God. And ran if you want to see a week. Adam Sessler in some Guy Fieri-ass fits, <laughs> you can watch some of these early extended play episodes. Oh, the fact that, like, he did the, like, frosted tip spiked hair, like, I'm not balding. Why would you say I'm balding? move for like years yes. on end yeah it was crazy adam sessler by the way it looks like he was the only tv personality to make it all the way from zd tv to <laughs> g4 which is pretty crazy and even made it to the return what's the deal with adam sessler man i can't make heads or tails. i think i like him but he's also like really oh he is pushing 50 he is a grump with a twitter account yeah all every gen xer just becomes like a ball of hatred after after a certain amount of time totally totally i don't know what the latest thing is i know he's like on uh, a lot of people's shit list for like bad mouthing the noble gamer but honestly after doing the research for this episode, I know, that's I'm what, what I want to say. At first, I was like, this guy's an asshole. And then I was like, wait a second. Oh, I think I agree with him. <laughs> He's just he essentially like he doesn't he doesn't consider himself, quote, a gamer because he feels like gamers super fucking suck. He considers <laughs> himself a guy that plays video games. That's his whole narrative. And he'll go on Twitter and go on these tirades about how much, <laughs> quote, quote, unquote, gamers like suck. But also it, this is a reaction to just the amount of shit that's been thrown at him, especially mm -hmm. after what went down at the G4 relaunch and just the amount of gross culture stuff that he's seen. That's just been absolutely just just awful, like the culture surrounding G4 at the very least. So anyways, um, after Comcast purchased Tech TV and moved the show over to G4 in 2004, they remained in the same Tech TV studio in San Francisco until later that year. When they moved production to L.A. and they got an afternoon time slot as well as a late night one. In 2008, G4 overhauled the format of the show. They moved away from strictly reviews to news, first looks at game demos, strategy guide stuff, and more. On February 1st, uh, 2010, they celebrated their 1,000th episode. That's and a this, lot of television. This at least, X-Play kind of maintained a little bit of integrity mm -hmm. in terms of video games media, right? Uh, they would famously do a ton of sketches uh a lot of like skits and bits in between their news stories uh sometimes they had like some edgy bro humor there's a famous one where like a literal giant penis is attacking e3 all right never mind but like whatever <laughs> there was every every variety show had like eye rolly hastily put together sketches it's just the nature of the beast I know a lot of people actually have a uh, kind of a, a soft spot for those old comedy bits specifically because like Sessler and Morgan Webb and like all these people like really did not have like great improv comedy chops, but they just, God bless them, put on dumb wigs and muscled through them. So, uh, but yeah, there was like a little, they, they had fun with it. They had fun with it. So this brings us to the first downfall of G4. In 2012, Adam Sessler's contract ended and he was let go with no official reason given. And not long after, Kevin Pereira left the network. In late 2012, the cancellations were announced for Attack of the Show and X-Play, which meant no more original gaming content left on G4. After that, there was an attempt to rebrand the network as the Esquire channel. However, this ended 
ended up getting dropped and Esquire ended up taking over the Style Network instead. That meant the actual end of G4. No rebrand, no acquisition, just done. The channel ended. And this was like the real depths of it's just everything was Campus PD, cheaters, old episodes of uh, Ninja Warrior. And just just it was just whatever... They even did a uh, horrible Hail Mary where instead of reinvesting in gaming content, they bought the rights to like like real top tier uh, network shows in syndication like Lost and Heroes. Oh, wow. That was a giant waste of money as well. It just, yeah, they just had kind of given up the ghost and were just circling the drain. So the channel ended at the end of 2014 with a marathon of the top 100 video games of all time, then the debut episode of X-Play, then a game of Pong. It ended just how it began. And that that was it, we thought, for quite a while. Now we're going to tell the story of like how where the where we got to, uh, you know, between 20, what, 2012, 2014, and 2020 and how we had to reckon and we're still reckoning i think with the old quote-unquote gamer culture geek culture and how it's trying to transform and 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 become anew and at the end of the day i think this story really the the like end message of this is there just is i agree with you jake there's no there used to be a sense of a unified culture that doesn't exist anymore mm-hmm. so g4 couldn't be what it was trying to be cuz it was trying to be everything for everyone and it's like they had to kind of choose and they did kind of choose and it it, it created this nightmarish backlash for uh for the hosts on the show for um you know the the executives everybody it just was a fucking nightmare i mean of course it had to be if it launched in 2021 did it even last a year it lasted uh what was it from you said from november 16th to 2021 Final day of operation, November 18th, 2022. So a wow. year and two days. Wow. So it all started in 2020 when Twitter account, uh, when the Twitter accounts of G4, Attack of the Show, and X-Play were reactivated in order to post a teaser video announcing the network's revival set for 2021. Holden, Holden, I would say the well, story yeah, really begins in 2018 when okay. Tucker Roberts' son... Of uh, the son of Brian Roberts, the of chairman and is, CEO of Comcast. Of course, his name is Tucker, man. Uh, it's so funny. Finds himself a hot girlfriend, a hot older girlfriend, a hot older girlfriend that whether you're Nick Cannon or you're uh, 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 who, who dated uh, Demi Moore for a while, who's the fucking uh, 70s? Ashton Kutcher. Whether you're Nick Cannon or Ashton Kutcher, the allure of being rich enough to date the lady you had a hot uh, crush on when you were a teenager. It's just nobody is immune for it. Tucker Roberts started dating Olivia Munn. I did not know this, bro. You're blowing my fucking mind right now, dog. Tucker Roberts was dating Olivia Munn. She was six or seven years older than him at the time. And uh, the first, uh, the relationship was official official in 2019 when Munn posted a Halloween photo of her and Tucker dressed up as um, uh, uh, Judy and Jesse Gemstone, which is also super ironic because Tucker Roberts is definitely more of a succession figure than a Righteous Gemstones figure. Oh, a little bit of a Righteous Gemstones figure. Um, 
the two broke up in 2020. And so this was like, uh, so obviously she then went on to the John Mulaney thing, which I, I don't run a celebrity gossip podcast. I don't know all the details from that. But clearly, clearly the two of them had talked about reviving G4 for years while they were together. And I guess in the breakup, one of them got the dog and the other one got the idea to restart G4. Do you think that was a Hail Mary to get her back? Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Or the ultimate revenge? I don't know. But the fact that the guy, the fucking uh, fail son gamers uh, heir to the Comcast fortune was behind the G4 revival and he dated Olivia Munn is too juicy for it not to be connected. Yeah, and I would actually maybe say the latter might be true, that it was like a a weird, because it seemed like he immediately had no interest in actually running the channel, (laughs) and we're going to get into that in just a second. So yeah, it's cut back to 2020. G4 relaunched their website uh, and it had a playable game of Pong. If you won the game, you were redirected to a mailing list for the network. Comcast transferred the operations of the channel from NBC Universal to its Spectacore division, uh, which is actually just an evil legion of robot uh, lords that I believe are attacking Mars currently. Well, you have to understand Comcast is like one of the biggest corporations in America and they're based out of Philadelphia. And so uh, Comcast Spectator, they own a ton of sports teams in the area. They own the Philadelphia 76ers, the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, They own a lacrosse team called the Philadelphia Wings, as well as uh, they used to own the, uh, well, I guess they currently own the team now known as the Soul Infernal, but back then they were the Philadelphia Fusion. So this was like, this was their sports and esports kind of sub-brand. And uh, it was, it was, I believe it was Tucker's like big first thing was convincing Comcast to spend like $20 million on an Overwatch League team, which if you're following Overwatch League, not a great investment. Yeah, it turned out that wasn't a big, uh, great idea either. Uh, Yeah, so there was a G4 reunion special launched on Twitch and YouTube. This is hosted by Ron Funches, featured ex-G4 hosts Kevin Pereira, Olivia Munn, Adam Sessler, Morgan Webb, Kristen Adams, and Blair uh, Herter. At the end of the special, wrestler Xavier Kingwoods, a.k.a. Austin Creed, was announced as the channel's first host for the relaunch, something apparently he'd been campaigning for on Twitter for a while at that point. A couple months later, they announced that Attack of the Show and X-Play were both being revived for the relaunch, and I think that's their immediate misstep, Mm -hmm. was saying, hey, we're bringing back those old shows. It's going to be, therefore saying, it's going to be like the old network was. Mm -hmm. You know, horny, but not. And that was the weird confusion point, I think, for a lot of people trying to get back in. Then they went about streaming on YouTube and Twitch, and this was an interesting choice for a TV network. And also seemingly wise, since this is how games media primarily gets to to the audience in the 2020s, on the outset, seemingly. They also brought in YouTuber Kasim G as a host, as well as VTuber Code Miko, uh, you know, and 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 there are more, many more to follow. They're definitely trying to tap into the influencer, streamer, YouTuber game 
Big time. Gerard, the completionist, was a big name from the YouTube sphere that they got on board for this thing. Mm -hmm. As well as uh, esports shoutcaster from the League of Legends world, Indiana Froskerin Black. They also had a program centered around esports, as uh, as you said, as well as Dungeons and Dragons Live. So they're really, to me, that says like they're aware of what's going on currently, mm-hmm. and and they're going to try to attack the modern, you know, zeitgeist of ga- video game, video games, media all the culture, everything, and streaming and all that. The network officially launched in November of 2021, and there were issues that were pretty apparent from the get-go. A lot of those issues had to do with the direction of the content of the channel, which changed often. Uh, One former employee said, we would sort of get momentum on trying to make a creative product, and we were like, I think we're finding our voice. But then we wouldn't have funding anymore because it was too expensive. Or leadership was like, we care more about Twitch than YouTube today. Also, from a former employee, none of the leaders had any vision. They weren't very present in day-to-day operations. We pivoted every time viewership was low. We never really gave our content time to gain traction. We were just constantly pivoting. And many ex-employees point to the head of the channel, Tucker Roberts, uh, for all of this. Uh, one uh, uh, from this Washington Post article that really covers the whole demise of the channel uh, uh, in the relaunch. Uh, one f- employee familiar with Roberts's decision making said the executive would regularly change his mind about crucial decisions. For example, the number of separate YouTube channels G4 needed, which spread out audiences and hurt viewership. Why would you have multiple channels? Well, so they thought they had it in the bag because the old G4 channel was still uh, registered and had millions of followers. But the videos for the new content would only have like tens of thousands of people. And that looked bad for the YouTube algorithm. Or if they dumped everything on the... There's so much like algorithmic chess you have to play to have a hit YouTube channel. If you have your number one hit... If you have uh, the premiere of Attack of the Show, the new generation on, and it gets a huge bump... Then you have like a random esports tournament for a game that's not that popular... YouTube will see that decline in viewership as a reason not to promote your channel as much anymore. That's like, um, and then there was like a constant bickering over like which shows go on which channel, how do they promote which channel, are they even doing YouTube content anymore? If you want more YouTube views, that means you have to like produce a half hour uh, video essay. Just having a live stream uh, VOD isn't the key to success on YouTube. And just having old TV shows isn't the key to having a, a hit on Twitch. And neither of those things are the key to having a hit on like uh, digital cable packages. So the idea that this like extremely skeleton crew, by the way, like right. every one of these hosts is responsible for, they got to be on the D and D show. They got to pl- play and review games. They got to be uh, warm bodies on discussion panels. They got to do everything where their budgets, they don't know anything from anything. So like, It's just a massive waste of resources and yet still not enough resources. And still they're trying to be this instant hit on platforms that require groundwork. 
that require community building. A lot of that is the gold rush on uh, influencers and YouTubers and Twitch streamers. They were spending the, the disparity of, of how much money they were giving to employees versus how much money they were giving to certain different types, levels of of Twitch and YouTube talent was absurd. I mean, we're talking tens of thousands of dollars given to, let's say, Pokimane just to like get a raid mm-hmm. on their Twitch channel. And And if you know anything about raids... Like, you get a raid, you know, you have you have to expect like seventy percent of the raid will drop off from the channel almost Minimum. immediately. Minimum. That's like that's a good value. Actually, you're right. That's a generous. That's like wow, I succeeded as a streamer that I had that many people stay thirty mm-hmm. percent. I mean, it is such a waste of money and such a such a just a stupid use of resources. And you saw that constantly. I mean, it, it, from uh, according to previous employers, where I mean, they, the the amount of dime they were dropping on certain people, um, and that's the crazy thing is. I don't think people realize like how savvy like the professional Twitch streamer can be. I mean, we saw this so much with like how they worked with like how they how Ninja ended up like switching to Mixer, getting like close to a billion dollars or something nightmarish. Yeah. And and knowing full well that that's not what's going to like make Mixer a success and just going and putting his time in until he could just go right back to Twitch or whatever. Right. YouTube has done this like at least a half dozen times being like, oh, we'll hire all the very popular YouTubers to make pre premium content for us so their fans will have to pay for our service to get the exclusive content and nobody bites because they are already happy with the content they're getting. Yeah, completely. Another funny tidbit is that apparently Tucker Roberts's office at the headquarters was massive, and it was also modeled after Emperor Palpatine's throne room. This also meant for a t- for a content creation, uh, uh, you know, office, the crew was unable to like film anything with the office in the background because they were having rights concerns (laughs) and they didn't want to get sued. So, and also on top of all of that, it was this pain in the ass thing in everyone's lives. And it was like the biggest space in the Mm -hmm. whole in the whole building. And he didn't even move into the office. He was never there. He barely showed up. He, he constantly changed his mind. I mean, just the most infuriating fucking waste of millions of dollars i like hate this guy i just like hate him so much i just hate this model the executive that is the son of the billionaire that gets to do that gets millions and millions of dollars in resources to fucking you know pissing it away and failing and being so and and he's the type of guy barely shows up i i see it in my head and then when he does show up he essentially tells everyone we're doing something different now Mm -hmm. infuriating and then all these people are just like in the offices staying up probably not even sleep probably there's people crashing at the office a lot of nights and stuff trying to work around the clock to make this thing a success and then he's just doing everything he can to half-assedly Fuck everybody over. I just hate I to see it. I read stories of the uh, G4 crew uh, expecting to film a like uh, a sponsored comedy sketch for one of their last remaining advertisers and literally pulling an all-nighter to get the costumes ready 
the night before they just flat out announced that the whole network was shuttering. And also everybody was promised a lot of things going in. It was going to be this like incredibly diverse, incredibly um, just you know, a beautiful like ecosystem of a work environment. Like all of those things were never really came to fruition. Hey, hold in from your rudimentary knowledge of Twitch and YouTube. Uh, how advertiser friendly are the top performing channels on both of those platforms? Um, Would you not? say they're like kind of uh, weird and controversial and borderline sketchy? Yeah, yeah for sure. So for like sure. by even offering some kind of like, wholesome advertiser friendly version of this content they're already at a massive disadvantage to kneecapping themselves completely absolutely uh so roberts is is replaced roberts officially steps down from his position tucker i'll call him tucker he steps down in march of 2022 just four months after the hard launch of the network he's replaced by russell aarons who many believe was set up to be the fall guy or rather fall lady russell's lady and she left after just a few more months after a very tense all hands on deck meeting that she walked out of in tears she was replaced by joe marsh an executive at comcast and close friend of tucker roberts adam sessler had this to say i'll be frank i didn't enjoy much of the revamp of g4 it doesn't have to do with the people I worked with or anything like that. I could just tell early on that it was going to be moving in a direction that I wasn't really exactly aligned with what I had thought it was going to be. I thought it was actually going to try to be more like a formal television show, like instead of the television internet melange that it was. Sessler also points to how cl close the association to the old brand and bringing back the other shows was a bit of a misdirect for audiences as they had shifted away from that male audience pandering thing from before, something they had to battle against the entire run of the show. Uh, and, of course, the clash between the old way and the new came to a big head uh, when Indiana Froskerin Black went after the sexism of the network's fan base in a rant on X-Play. This is kind of the biggest, the final big t touchstone, the final big talking point for this episode, really. This this led to a ton of harassment and backlash from YouTubers. Um, I guess, actually, April, I think we need to like hear at least some of this mm -hmm. uh, this rant. This is such like an important part of the, the uh, G4 relaunch. Let's listen to some. In joining G4, I was ecstatic to be part of something that I grew up watching as a child. But every time G4 is brought up in various channels, even in this YouTube channel, we have the chat in front of us, I can see you, without a doubt, there will be backlash because I'm not as bangable as the previous host. It's somehow- Talk to him, Frost! It has somehow been expected that you can talk about how much you jerked off to women as a compliment. That's it's weird. not a compliment. It's weird. It's dehumanizing and it's weird. So Jake, this caused a bunch of people to essentially point the finger at Frost and say, you're, um, you're screaming at your own audience. You're berating your own audience. You're taking a shit on them. You're turning your back on them. And what, what do you like? What, how do you think, how do you think this, this, uh, what's your reaction to this? Do you think she should have done it differently? Sh you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say because so, I feel like she's totally justified. A week before we're recording this episode, Frosk sat down with, uh, with a YouTube journalist who is aligned more with kind of the douchier version aspects of YouTube nerd coverage. And I don't want to like plug his shit too hard because 
it's it's a little like just seeing his his Twitter and stuff. It's he's trying to play both sides. He's not like full asshole, but he is very much like wants to be friendly with the asshole side of YouTube. But he did a very fair interview. I will give him that. He gave her a space to actually talk about what went wrong with the network, talk about the backlash. And the thing is, to find that interview, you have to scroll past dozens of thumbnails of like this this just woman who said honest things, who said genuinely true things about how there is a double standard, how disgusting the audience was to her and to the other female hosts and to just how they see women within the game space in general. And the fact is that rant was in context, part of a whole like year end. What's what's got your grapes. Like it was a grumpy rant segment. Mm -hmm. Frost says that like she was going to just talk about red dead redemption two and how the online component was poorly handled. And she just figured, you know what? This is what's actually getting my goat. Uh, Sessler was there and was like, this is great. Everyone in the audience, or I'm sorry, everyone at the taping was behind her and uh, agreed with what she was saying. And it was for a stream that had like 2,000 people watching. There was just 2,000 people watching this small part of an otherwise year-end episode of the show. And just this entire ecosystem that just saw this lady with dyed hair and a nose ring and just immediately saw gold in their eyes to just like say, this is what's wrong with gaming. Go woke, go broke. How dare you berate us, true noble gamers? I, ever since Gamergate, this uh, this this cultural rift in the gaming space, I have just constantly been disappointed and infuriated by. And listening to her yeah. talk, it is not her saying, hey, stop talking about how you want to jerk off to like Olivia Munn more than me. That's not cool. Is not what doomed this network. It is everything we've talked about up until this point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We should say, as soon as the network failed, which happened not long after this, everyone went, see, see. And this is the thing that pisses me off the most about the internet is when people just decide what the facts are. And in this case, it was that Frost tanked the network with this rant. And then they just like take that narrative and run with it and make it more and more quote unquote true as they scream about it. And it's just not fucking true. It's not at all true. That's not what tank Tucker's what tanked the fucking network. Okay. Yeah. Tucker did it. Tucker, who re- more resembles these like this community that's screaming about Frost than than anyone else, probably in the network. Now, if you are listening to this and you follow channels like the quartering or channels like uh just just and if you're on that side of the cultural debate, uh like I really just I can yes. There are eccentricities and annoyances in modern liberal culture. There are hypocrisies that are rampant, but the angle that they are coming from is pure malice and pure fucking darkness. And it is so fucking just insane. Doing the research on this controversy has like pilled me to the darkest of black. I just, gamers were a mistake. Anime was a mistake. Geeks were a mistake. Uh, if you, I really think if you want to know what was going on behind the scenes, how overworked, how underprepared and how just constantly jerked around the talent was to get this off the, to get this failed network going, you should actually, uh, listen to a person genuinely describe their experiences because it was just like, 
I'm, I'm scrolling through the thumbnails now and the, just the amount of cruelty and malice and just like, just, just shit stirring across entire, this entire YouTube ecosystem is well, and it's so fucking. Well, the guys of like not addressing what she's saying, in my opinion, at least it's all under the guise of like, she's yelling at her audience and it just completely disregards the thing she's talking about. Yeah. It just, that, that, Again, that's such a fucking internet thing that drives me nuts. It's like you can't handle someone having an opinion about the community you're associated with that might be negative. So you just go full fuck you instead of it all just being like, that's an interesting. And maybe it, maybe it is the way in which it was delivered. But you said you were right. It was in a like rant style like end of year segment where they mm-hmm. were kind of doing that. Maybe it was the aggression. People just what didn't want to hear that, that level of anger or something like that, or hear any sense of like, um, but you know, we, there's a lot of you guys out there that are great and we love you guys, but there's this really bad contingent. I don't know. Maybe there was some way to tweak the messaging or something to make it less like caustic. But at the same time, that anger's real, man. That anger's real because that is coming from a place of like a person who's being, um, who's just seeing a lot of gross shit out there. And I know it because I see it too. So, you know, like I said, I feel like she is justified. At the end of the day, I believe she is a hundred percent justified. Whether or not it was effective is the question, I guess. But I don't. I'm don't. But I. I don't. I don't see how you could just take the stance of like never talk shit to your own audience or something like that. It's just I don't know. That seems ridiculous to me. We are at. I feel like this is the thesis statement of the the thing that this. I did not expect an episode on old video game TV to go. I know. I did not think this G4 episode was going to be so crazy. Old G4 had Olivia Munn trying to make sure she was fun and cool and could hang. And it offered a fantasy that gamers were pimped out to and promised for the sake of money to sell products to them. And as soon as they try and do it in a way that is even more in just remotely enlightened and they get a human being giving them pushback for being mistreated, the fantasy is ruined and they know that there is an audience that will defend the fantasy till the day they die. The fantasy is pure. The fantasy is good. And the mean people want to take the fantasy away and they are profiting off of selling the defense of that fantasy to a uh, entire just chunk of the culture that wants to stay in 2004, that wants like 2007 to never go away. They just, and maybe just the idea of bringing back G4 was the mistake all along. Maybe G4 had to stay in the past. Yeah, I think that it that's so the case. And I love that it's just because he d- was dating Olivia Munn. <laughs> I, it has to be. It's because too... I think you could have done a video game network on television. I, I don't know, though, man. It's just so complicated because of YouTube and Twitch. There's no point in need for it. Yeah. There's no there's no real need for it. You know, people are already kind of creating a TV network out of their own house. Yeah. You know, so it's just uh, with zero over. So anyways, uh, just to close this up in September 2022, the network laid off around 20 to 30 crew members, which led to an exodus of talent as well. Um, it's this guy, Marsh, that took over. He's still spending, by the way. 
stupid amounts of money. Even in the final days, a influencer was flown out to the studio via helicopter to do a segment. Just an absolute waste. Then in October of 2022, G4 staffers were locked out of Slack and Google Drives. This is the new way we lay off people, by the way. You find out because you're locked out of Slack and then you see a tweet. Mm -hmm. That part is also so embarrassing and and ridiculous. Then they got an email from Marsh stating that G4's facility would be closed with a memo later going out that stated, viewership is low and the network has not achieved sustainable financial results. I want to thank you and everyone on the G4 team for the hard work and commitment to the network. What a biff, man. Yeah. Crazy, dude. Well, anyways, I don't know where we go from here. I don't love the toxicity. I, I really don't. It's such a big um, community. The age range is really intense as well at this point with the with the gaming community, whatever, whatever you want to call it. I don't even think you should call it the gaming community because it's so splintered and different at this point and all over the map yeah like is there a television community is there a music yeah, community yeah. no it's right genres it's it's cultural yeah. it's societal very much so so i guess that's kind of the the what it is at the end of the day it's it's bigger than video games and video games are bigger than any one sense of community sadly and um, we're really drawing some lines in the sand lately. And it's really interesting to see on one hand and very upsetting to see mm-hmm. on the other. And this is the story of that for sure. And it's it's complicated because I don't think we can say the same about music or movies that it started off very much geared, geared towards a male audience and then slowly over time has changed. That's the case for video games from the very beginning. Very early on, they were in, uh, the advertising and everything was very, very geared towards the male audience, and that that is we kind of talked about this in our very first episode, the Sonic the Hedgehog episode. Tom Kalinsky, sure. Sega of America, really laid the groundwork that like video games are for cool boys who want to be men. They're not for babies. They're not for little girls. If you can't handle the extreme gaming. Your mommy's going to be mad. Like it's it created this like psychosexual promise of identity and community to the most isolated people, the people that want to stay indoors and have virtual experiences over physical ones. There's horny Game Boy ads from the 90s. You know, it's the weirdest shit ever. And uh, I hope that, you know. I hope that we can move forward and and we can reckon with, uh, I guess I'll say, to be overdramatic, the sins of the past. But I do hope for a better situation when it comes to all this oh, stuff. And unfortunately, are gonna get though, it's so, looking... We're going to get so many hate comments on Twitter and Facebook. You and think? So, yeah. I mean, I went, at, I went at an entire very vocal, very real swath of society. I don't know. We'll see. Because I'm not, I'm not shit. Anybody listening, I'm not trying to take a shit on you. I hope you don't feel like personally fucking attacked or anything like that. Um, and my viewpoints are my own. And you could totally feel different about all of this. And I'm completely fine with that. So don't come at me bro. (laughs) All right. Have a good one, everybody. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of G4. We've got, uh, if you want to, if you want to support us further, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. We've got for uh, $5 a month, we've got weekly bonus content and ad free main feed episodes, dude. 
So you just get straight up that clean, clean. You know what I'm saying? Five dollars uh, for fifteen dollars a month, as we mentioned before. Sunday 15, study session. Fi- one five, not five zero. Oh, fifteen, nah. <laughs> yeah, the Sunday study session on our Discord. It's a wonderful time. We watched a lot of old G four. Uh, pro- we even watched some it code got monkeys. Weird. <laughs> it got real weird. Uh, and also check me out twitch.tv forward slash hold to nature's ho uh monday through friday i'm streaming right now i'm on a fucking 12 day stream streak or something i might be even further along yeah yeah i might keep it going through the month of february since it's my focus february anyways check me out twitch.tv forward slash hold to nature's ho follow me on twitter at best jake young instagram at best jake young and uh, hey, if you want to see a very fun stream where I watch old weird cartoons and joke around about them, uh, go to Puppet Jared. That's my VTuber channel on YouTube and Twitch, youtube.com slash Puppet Jared, twitch.tv slash Puppet Jared. Every Thursday night, it's the Cartoon Dumpster. Starts at 7 p.m. Eastern. It's a grand old time. And uh, if you like this show, I genuinely think you'll like what happens over on that stream. It's always a pleasure when someone says, hey. Hey, I listened to the plugs because I was stuck in my car and I couldn't reach for my phone and change to the next episode in time. So I had to listen to the plugs. So I ended up hearing about this stream and now I'm here. And you're right. This is great. That is that just that just really uh, reaffirms everything I do when people in chat specifically talk about that. So check it out. Puppet Jared, Cartoon Dumpster Thursday. And hey, always remember, never stop bruising and keep on whizzing. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio... And producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.